is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm Ross. You know who you are. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I am so excited that you are here today because I am joined uh, not only by two of uh, my favorite coworkers, uh, don't tell the other ones that I said that, uh, but also by Catherine Wong-Jin. So uh, I'm joined by Melanie Hester, Matt Markins, and Catherine. Welcome all three of you to the podcast. It's good to be with you. Nice. Thank you, Catherine, for bringing the excitement. So I want to just jump right into this conversation. Uh, Catherine, you are someone who comes to this conversation with 20 years of experience helping churches of all sizes make an impact in their community. Um, you have a uh, master's. You are someone who is lived in this world for a long time. And you are also someone who is going to be speaking at the Child Discipleship Forum in September. If this is your first time hearing about that, dear listener, I would love for you to check out the show notes so you can join us in Nashville or online in September. But uh, Catherine, first of all, thank you for being one of the faculty. Uh, but also, I want to ask, you know, I know a lot of your conversation centers around how uh, Kidman leaders spend their time. And I'm, I'm mindful of someone who might be listening who is brand new to this, right? They are 20 years uh, behind where you are. And can you just help sort of set the table for people of what does an actual week in the life of Kidman look like? What are yeah. some of the things you have to keep in mind versus what might be on your job description? Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, Ross. And of course, Matt and Melanie, always so good to see you guys. Um, man, well, first of all, I am a fellow practitioner, so I am not in the know-it-all of any person, no professor or anything like that. Uh, just someone who's done this for 20 years following God. And what mm. I learned so far is that genuinely caring, you have actually talked about it in this new book, like you, the biggest things we could focus on is time and energy. Those are things like two things you just can't get back ever. Um, and in children's ministry, typically, we always feel like time is limited. So whether you're paid part time, which when I first started, that's how I got paid. Um, internship was even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I work for free, uh, but great time, great times. Uh, but yeah, time is so valuable. And for me, just personally, as a children's minister, pastor, um, someone who was obsessed about this stuff, I always felt like I didn't have enough time to do everything. And then on top of that, now I'm a mom of three kids and then you have staff and then you have volunteers and parents and the environment you want to create. It is, it is, it feels sometimes overwhelming for sure. Yeah. And welcome to the party. If you're new to this and you're listening, <laughs> right? Well, I, I want to start there because I think what's important for people is that we can be at a baseline, like be honest with them, be yeah. honest about what they're, what this calling that you're walking into. I remember Chris Small is a, it was a practitioner up in uh, the Wisconsin area talks about it where this has to be a calling. Like if this yeah. is a job, this is not going to be, uh, this is not going to be the best fit for you, even though there will be plenty of days where it feels like a job. Um, Matt, I want to go to you here because, uh, you know, last time you were on the podcast, we talked about a research project that Awana was able to partner with, uh, with the Barna group. And that is not the only research we have going. I know Catherine and Melanie, you guys have all been involved in this conversation, but Matt, for purposes of background information, we partnered with five by five research firm. What are we hoping to bring to the CDF some information that people who are there and experiencing with us um, are going to be able to access in the fall? 
Yeah, so let's back up to give context. Ross, you've heard me talk about uh, this several times, but when in 2003, when George Barna's book, Transforming Children into Spiritual Champions, when that book came out, uh, which by the way, it's a foundational book in children's ministry. Most people in children's ministry have that book and have read that book. But in that book is when the first time we really saw in print the, the coming from a, a researcher, someone who said, hey, parents are the primary spiritual influencers over the life of their kids. And, and, that, and that was a that was a collective moment. That was, that was like a movement in children's ministry. That was the beginning of the wave of what you might call family ministry or next-gen ministry. Because finally, we had data to point to, to go to our pastor and say, pastor, help me form a culture where parents realize, hey, I have a lot of influence over my kid. I need to engage in the discipleship process. So like that, that 2003 benchmark is important because here we are now, 2022, 19, was it, 19 years later, and we want to know, like, hey, have we moved the needle on family ministry, on, on helping equip parents, right? And so in the most recent Varner research uh, that we just, uh, that's publishing right now, uh, for those who can see the visual, children's ministry in a new reality, uh, in that study that we, we have some additional information now, finally, 19 years later, uh, to ask like, hey, have we moved the needle on this at all? And right. one of the big findings in the research is that we're at a stalemate, meaning uh, children's ministry leaders compared to parents and congregants were not necessarily completely on the same page on, on how to do this thing we call family ministry. So what do we mean by that? So 95% of children's ministry leaders, which by the way, anytime you have 95%, that's not just a yes, that's a heck yes. Like 95% <laughs> are saying yeah. that the parents are the pri are primarily responsible for discipleship. However, when you ask parents and congregants, they're split down the middle. It's kind of like, well, so half say like the church is responsible, half say the family is responsible or yeah, church in the home. Yeah. And so you have these two different parties, if you will, two different groups that are not completely aligned on how we do this. So when we're at a stalemate, like if you look at historical stalemates, how do you get out of a stalemate? Someone has to lead or negotiate out of the stalemate. So I think what the data is saying is, hey, church, hey, children's ministry leader, pastor, help lead us out of this. So if we're going to get to the point where parents and children's ministry leaders alike have clarity around what discipleship looks like, someone's got to lead the process. So we had this idea of like, well, hey, well, what if we what if we really got better data on what are we actually doing to equip parents? What, how do we actually spend our time? And I, I guess you could say that's the genesis of this project. It's how we, how we got here. Yeah, I think that's really helpful for people because I think it helps them see that this is something that is a long time coming. And it's, and it's common sense, right? Like we want to make sure we create this space. Melanie, I'm curious to you know, and I want to be really transparent. We're having this conversation in the summer. Uh, the data is going to be available later in the fall. It's another reason why we would love to have you at the Child Discipleship Forum. So we're speaking to this. Uh, the way we're talking about this is intentional. But Melanie, I'm curious, as you've begun to look at this on how our community is spending its time, what are some of the kind of top line things that you're aware of? Or um, is anything that Catherine or Matt are saying resonating with you particularly? Yeah, I mean, I, I think when I think back to my first days as a children's ministry director, okay, I, I remember uh, Catherine mentioned an intern, right? I walked in on my very first children's ministry job as an intern, and I found out that the children's pastor had left and that it was me now. 
And so like day number one, you're an intern. Congratulations on your new promotion. You're going to get kind of paid. We'll figure out the details later. Okay. And I was thrust into this world of honestly, at the time, like budgets in multiple ministries. And I was 20 years old and I had no idea what I was doing. But what I knew when I, and within just the first couple of times of like just working and being with the kids, I realized that my task list was always going to be longer for every single day than I would have time in comparison to what I really wanted to do was to learn how to cast a vision for where we were going as a children's ministry and how to lead these kids to know, love, and serve God in a way that would last forever. And so I'd say like, I I think unfortunately, at least in my experience, the thing I always found um, when you look at that quadrant of things that you're like, I have to do, like, this is like super important, it's urgent, and it has to be done now. And then there are things that are not quite as urgent, and I can set them aside. Everything's in the urgent category, (laughs) right? Everything. And it's typically volunteers. It's going to be making sure you have snacks. It's making sure that you have some sort of curriculum. And in that order, unfortunately, like I don't say that with pride, like the things I realized that, that I needed to actually prioritize first, it kind of felt backwards. I felt like I had to organize the logistics of what those kids ate before, like the the real food, before I figured out what their spiritual food was going to be for that week. Mm-hmm. And, and then in the midst of that, I had to figure out the humans who in a safe environment where they could love and care for these kids, who those people were going to be before that could even like flesh out. Yep. Right. And so I think as we, we sit there and, and, and Matt talks about this stalemate within like the church and family. And and that is so true. But then we also find this tension within the children's ministry leader who says, even if I'm full-time, even if they pay me full-time, I don't know how to take this model that feels upside down where the snacks are most important and the curriculum and the, the discipleship comes below that and flip it on its head. And figure out how to say that discipleship is the thing that marks everything we do. And so as this research begins to come out, and again, like you said, it's not coming out to the fall, um, but we're beginning to see preliminary data that's coming out of these people. and, And we're hearing that these leaders are saying like, oh man, like it took someone saying like, what are you doing? To help them realize that what that they're in, what we're investing in today isn't in the lifelong discipleship of a child, right? Yeah. So, like, Catherine, what about you? Like, in for, for the last twenty years, how have you balanced that tension? Oh, wow. I mean, for sure, is taking momentary breaks because I think as as humans and as just um, like we get into a habit. And, you know, we talk about habit stacking and in order to truly change, you have to make small, minute changes daily. Every time, like, I think I'm going to make a great change about who I am. That doesn't happen. But if I do something a little bit at a time, usually in a year from now, I see that genuine change. And in the 20 years, what I realized, the biggest thing that I put in is continuously learning and being around people like you guys who challenge me to say, hey, is, is that really the best way to do something. So like I have my coaches, my mentors, people who just speak like reality to me and say, is this really a good use of your time? (laughs) Um, And so never feeling like you're doing ministry alone is a 
big thing for me. I always tell either your volunteers, my staff, never write an email alone, right? Never call somebody alone. Never set up the stage alone. Never staple a paper alone. So if truly we're trying to habit stack those tiny things, at the end, Mm -hmm. if we say relationship, discipleship, talking to Mm -hmm. a parent is important, put it into your like minute, small activities of your day. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And that to me is just doing it with somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something that that has helped a little bit, but definitely I'm excited to see this new research that we're going to be able to release in the fall. What you just said is really interesting. You said you've had obviously relationship and not doing it in isolation. Like that's huge. And I think that that was something that I didn't do well in my early jobs was like finding churches around me because it felt like, well, that's a different church, right? Or even finding relationships to support that. You mentioned something I'd really love like to unpack and I'm sure Matt you've had to do this as well though not as a like children's ministry leader but just as a leader of an organization is to stop and reorient yourself to what needs to be done like how do you do that like how do you in the midst of what feels like urgency like just flashing all around you how do you stop well number one is we have an incredibly loving God a loving God who sometimes forces you because that's how he loves you so much. So whether it, it comes out, like they say, stress, right? Your body will feel it. Um, I am your typical Enneagram number three. I will achieve something until you tell me to stop achieving. And then I'll do like one more step and then stop. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, And so that's something that definitely I'm working on. Um, But I will say, like the moment that I feel my body and as I get older, God is for sure showing me more is the moment your body starts feeling that heartbeat or that, that sweat, sweaty hands, or mm-hmm. um, when you're experiencing something that normally you love and you stop loving, that's when I know, okay, I need to take a break. I need to genuinely go away and then reevaluate what is happening in that situation or in that moment. Um, am, am I doing the priorities that I feel like I'm actually doing? So um, something that uh, Pastor Ray Bayside, who I love, has always talked about is, oh my goodness, I'm going to ruin this. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, and something with a Y yearly. <laughs> it always happens. It always happens. Uh, wow. yes, go away yearly. Yeah. Well, while you're trying to remember that why, um, I, <laughs> to your to your question, I, I read a book uh, called Essentialism. Uh, I guess maybe 2017, 2018. I remember reading in that book. It was it's nice to read a book where you're like, hey, this guy's saying what I already do. That really makes me feel validated, right? You know, <laughs> he's, he's talking about he's telling a story of being in the workplace and coming to the realization that a lot of the activities of his job don't actually help achieve the goals he's being asked to do. So he's like, he was like, Hey, I'm an employee of this organization. I just literally stopped doing certain things. And I only, I focused on fewer things. So to a lot of people, especially if you're an Enneagram one, that might feel like freak out mode. Like how can I not do things that are my responsibilities? But he said, he just came to this realization of essentialism. Like it's the it's the few details that probably matter a whole lot more, and there's a there's probably a whole longer list 
they're important or maybe they're not important and they don't really lead to your goals, outcomes, objectives, and success. And so I really appreciated being able to see that in print and being able to to see that endorsed by other other thinkers, because I think that's absolutely true. We, We use as an organization, we use the metaphor of NASA a lot, coming to the realization that there are eight broad goals. We're not going to help them become the leader in aerospace technology. It was when JFK said, hey, I want you to get a man to the moon and return it back safely before the end of the decade, right? So the whole NASA organization reoriented around propulsion, navigation, human life support. Like those three objectives were going to help NASA become the leader in their industry. And so I like this idea of okay, I'm, I'm a kid's pastor, kids, or children's ministry director, or I'm even a volunteer and, and I'm in a smaller church, right? It's about scale. So what are my chief objectives that are going to lead to success? And how can I build what I do around the fewest amount of areas that have the highest amount of impact? I, I love that because I, for the longest time, was sure that making sure that I had a nursery equipped to like change babies and make sure that they were loved and cared for and also having classrooms that um, had snack every week, I knew that those were the things that were essential. And it wasn't until I started volunteering at our current church, I'm, I'm no longer a children's director, but I teach fours and fives every week, that I realized that our nursery does not change any diapers. They happily text the parent and have them come and do that. And then the parent goes back and our classrooms don't give snack. That it, I had this moment of like, we have a thriving children's ministry and we don't give them goldfish every Sunday. And I was like, wow, maybe that's not actually as essential to the discipleship of a child and the environment on a Sunday morning. Now, does it add to it? Of course. And our particular church environment doesn't need it. So if yours does, that that's great. But like, I was sold that that was essential. And yeah. so I appreciate like you're you're pushing into that of like like perhaps we need to reevaluate like is this essential? And yes. we might have someone listening who is ready to die on the hill of goldfish crackers. What yep. we're not trying to say, no, <laughs> grab the goldfish yep. crack. We're saying you, you have your own list of non-negotiables. Okay, that's fine. But I think the process of going through the process of what is essential, what's not essential, and what are chief objectives that lead to long-term outcomes, going through that process, I think, is the most important part. Thank and you, I Matt. really, Matt. yeah. Oh, sorry, Ross. No, I just Go was going to say thank you, Matt. I didn't want big goldfish to come for us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I actually think big goldfish is my daughter, Maggie. She would be dying if she heard me say this right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, kids love their goldfish. But I wanted to say... Melanie and Matt, like the craziest thing is God knows all timing is that we went through a pandemic where everything was shut down. So all leaders, all ministers, especially in children's ministry, when everything essential that you thought stopped and then you had Mm -hmm. to do ministry in a different way, everyone is in this place of what is my time being spent on, right? And so, and is it essential? Is it leading to kids being And the craziest part that I feel is a conflict is we keep wanting to go exactly back to how things used to be. But that's why I'm so excited about this research is because is that genuinely leading to children's discipleship? Um, And is is that time, how we spent it in the past, you know, if, if it's that stale place, how can we change it, tweak it a little bit to be able to lead to a better future for sure? Thanks for listening. 
We'll be right back. Did you know a child's worldview is formed by the age of 13? That leads us to ask this question. How are we effectively discipling our kids in today's culture? If you're ready to discover a new vision for children's ministry, one that invites and involves your whole church, check out the new research report from Barna and Awana, Children's Ministry in a New Reality, Building Church Communities that Cultivate Lasting Faith. One of the biggest themes that emerged from the research is this. To truly prepare our kids for faith-filled adulthood, we need to consider reframing children's ministry as something closer to child discipleship. Inside the report, you'll find data and analysis needed to form a new, more comprehensive vision for child discipleship, one that's actually designed with our changing world in mind. Pick up a copy of the book from the Awana shop today. Yes, the, the, the way that our ministry and the discipleship of kids leads us, we realize that there's seasons like you're talking about, Catherine, where um, there's, there's busy seasons and there's seasons of change. And I think I can, I can think back to like anybody who's going to be listening to this during VBS season, that's a season, right? Any of us can all say yes and amen. That is a season. Holidays are a season right? Where we're pulling all the things together, whether you celebrate Advent and it's a longer experience or whether it's short and you've got the Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, those are seasons. Even what you just referred to, Catherine, COVID has been a season where perhaps we've like needed to lock into something particular. And it's, it's taken our focus and almost distracted us in a way of not being able to spend a lot of time with this long-term planning or these objectives and setting those. So how would you guys like encourage somebody who says, I've been in a season, help me to be able to pull back out and reorient to true North, to where our church is headed? I think my response to that would be, we need as, as a team, as a leadership team, if you're a smaller church, whether that's you as the person responsible for children's ministry and your chief volunteers, or maybe you would include your pastor or youth pastor to be a part of that conversation as well. I, I just think, Melanie, the regular practice of a handful of times a year, having what I would call strategic conversation as opposed to operational conversations, mm -hmm. if that's not already a part of how you operate, I, I think it really needs to be. The world mm -hmm. we live in uh, didn't change all that much, you know, up through, you know, let's, let's say 1800, but from 1800 to now it's changed a lot. Mm -hmm. And then and, and, mm -hmm. the post 2007 world with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, et cetera, with the iPhone, like rapid change, right? So we're living in a world of rapid change. So if, if we're, if we're living in this world of significant change, but we're not setting aside time to have strategic conversations, then, then all we're doing is we're living in an operational world without taking time to evaluate and discuss and have harder conversations. So I just think setting aside the practice, you know, maybe if you've not done that, maybe for year one, you just do that once, you know, uh, yeah. October's our month. We're going to set aside October to have these conversations or, or if you have done it, maybe, maybe you just need to say, okay, three times a year, we need to set aside a full day or two days, one to two days. But this, this practice or this rhythm 
um, will will allow you to, to to discover. I think that's an important word to discover mm -hmm. discovery process of what are the key conversations we even need to be having. So maybe if you've never done this, discovery is the only thing you're doing. You're you're mm -hmm. kind of whiteboarding or mind mapping like what are all the conversations we should be happening. And then you map those out for the next 12 to 18 months when we're going to set aside time to have each one of those conversations. I love that. I think a biggest thing, at least just personally for me in this, in this season and finding that North star is um, it's, it's a personal time. I think really understanding who I am, like evaluating mm -hmm. internally what God, like the giftings that and the uniqueness that God has brought to you. And I think if you know yourself really well, then the time management becomes easier because you know what your strengths are. And so, mm. and, and, and so to me, I would say, yes, like that North Star, just, just knowing who you are in God and then that specific calling of timing and your history, like we were created in this season for a purpose like we all these leaders all these children's pastor the conversations that we're having we were it was genuinely done specifically for this time 2022 um so like like owning that would be a huge one uh yeah for me mm. matt matt often says that as we look at children's ministry we're kind of stopping and asking the question like how do we shift from looking at what we do um, from children's ministry to child discipleship. And I think, Catherine, you really kind of nailed a, a point that I think is really important, that before we can even help our ministries shift from children's ministry to child discipleship, I think we have to realize that our jobs are not to create environments on a weekly basis where kids just come in. We're, our jobs are an overflow of our own discipleship. Mm -hmm. Like, and so what you just sat in, which is the, like, I have to know who I am in God. Like our job flows out of that a thousand percent. And so when that's not settled, then we, it's easier to control that task oriented space and kind of move into that and, and help set that up. And so I, to both of you, how would you encourage a leader to first and, and foremost, prioritize their discipleship with Jesus so that then the overflow of what they do comes out of that. I remember the first time I was uh, in a children's ministry encounter, you know, you're actively participating with children. And I thought, wow, this is discipleship. My wife and I are in a room with, with three adults and about, I don't know, maybe 15 kids. And I'm, I'm sitting having a, a conversation with a young lady. We're, we're doing kind of the eye-to-eye, knee-to-knee kind of thing. And we're talking about a Bible verse. And we're talking about a, a couple of key questions. We're working through a, a curriculum that, uh, that was given to us as volunteers. And as I'm sitting here asking her these questions, I'm, and we're talking in conversation, I'm like, hey, this, this is a prayer from a guy named David. He was a king, and he got in a jam, and he was in a bad spot. And this is something you can pray to if you're ever in a bad spot. So as I'm going through this encounter with this young girl, I'm thinking to myself, because she's she was a part of the Big Brothers Big Sisters program, and it just hit me like, I may be the only relatively healthy male mm -hmm. figure in her life, you know, that's having healthy dialogue and loving conversation with her. And it was just this realization, Melanie, to your question of, 
this is this is more like discipleship than other types of children's ministry environments that I'm in, involved in that are that are high energy and they're very entertaining and they're a lot of fun. But I felt like the quality of what was happening here was most closely represents discipleship. And so I just think that as children's ministry leaders, we've got to boil it down to the irreducible minimum and ask mm-hmm. ourselves, how do we replicate that over and over? How do we create mm-hmm. a culture where what God is doing in our hearts can be shared with children? What God is doing in the scriptures can be uh, on display for kids to interact with, and whether that's reading or singing or teaching, learning, uh, participating, et cetera. How do we scale that? So break it down to the irreducible minimum and then figure out how do I scale that in the, the highest level of quality that's going to be meaningful mm-hmm. to each individual child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so good. Oh, how, um, to your question, Nalini, how do I like stay focused in my, like who I am as a child of God and disciple of God? Yeah, I can remember like genuinely my family did a lot of like road trips and mm-hmm. I was, I think maybe eight, probably nine for sure. Nine. Um, and I just remember my Sunday school teacher telling me, you can always talk to God, right? Like you can always talk to God. And I was like, okay. So literally the whole time outside looking at the window and I'm just talking to God and mm-hmm. that habit is still to what I do today is I am genuinely talking to God. And when, when I'm doing that, I see how he's moving in my life. Mm -hmm. I see the things that he's bringing and the, and the truth that sometimes it hurts so painful Mm -hmm. um, because he cares so much about our hearts. And that's something that I would love for our children's leaders, our children that we get to oversee. They just know that God exists and he cares so much about the deep stuff in our hearts and in our life and in our jobs and in every detail. Um, So just continuously recognizing and surrendering yourself to that God exists. I think many times I get in that way. I'm like, I exist before the heavenly creator. I will figure ah. out a way. I will achieve yeah. this job for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so I just have to continuously check myself. Um, like look outside my pretend window and say, okay, talk to God right now because you are not the creator, Catherine Hong Jin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so good though. And I think it's so what I so appreciate about what both of you said is how accessible it is, right? Like, I think we often, particularly, I know for myself in seasons of being overburdened or feeling stretched too thin, I then make my relationship with the creator more complicated than it needs to be. But the simple act of just what you're describing, Catherine, of just abiding in him while you're driving, I say, I highlight that because that's so accessible, but also because if you're driving right now, there might be a nine-year-old in your backseat who's doing that right now as you're listening. Um, I want to wrap up our conversation specific to the Child Discipleship Forum because especially if you're still listening, listener, I really hope that you check out the forum. I hope you check out the links in the show notes. It's a very valuable gathering of community. And Matt, I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit odd, which is I'm going to ask you to talk about Catherine like she's not here. But don't worry, Matt, she can't hear us right now. As someone who has, you know, gathered this community in an intentional way like you have, why are we having Catherine lead this conversation? So so Melanie uh, has several responsibilities that she leads at our organization. One of them is uh, she helps steward and lead uh, what we call our advisory team. Uh, When we launched 
out toward you know the child discipleship forum we said hey what if we had a a team of practitioners and experts in the children's ministry and child discipleship space who could help bring insight into the conversation as this keeps growing year over year and so uh, uh, Melanie identified Catherine as, as so, uh, obviously a meaningful person to be a part of that, that team. And so I had not met Catherine before. So last, last year at the child discipleship forum, I'm, I'm going into a lunch and Katie, my wife and I, we, we, we sit down and right across from me is this vibrant, uh, young lady who's very articulate and very smart. And I was just like, wow, she's, she's really bright. Well, c- come to find out fast forward, to this, you know, when we once we identified, hey, we really need to do this project. It's important for uh, the children's ministry community to get this data to know how to move forward. We were like, hey, who who could help steward the conversation? Who could present the data really well? And who who, who really understands the pain points? So uh, we, uh, if you don't know, uh, Catherine actually did her undergrad uh, in biology. And so she already comes from this nerdy data world, right? So she's got, she's got, she's got that piece. She's got that piece. She's also got the, you know, decade plus experience in children's ministry. So she understands with credibility uh, the, the, the pain points of being in the children's ministry world and, and running that and leading that. But then I would also say thirdly, uh, she's a dynamic communicator. Uh, we've seen her teach and lead before and she's just a really smart uh, speaker and communicator. So she's got the pieces to bring to the table. So, but Ross, you said this is the last question. I'm going to say, no, I want one more question. I want to ask Catherine, (laughs) like, why are you looking forward to leading this and giving this talk at the CDF in September? Oh my goodness. That was uh, so, I mean, thank you, Matt, for just saying that you have no idea. Like once again, it's, it's all God. And I'm so humbled. Um, I am genuinely excited to be able to share this data. I have just personally in my world, seen so many children's leaders hurt in this season. I think um, number one hurt because they know something's not working that they've been working so hard for. Um, Number two, the season of change has been overwhelming. So I know it's been overwhelming for all leaders, but especially in children's ministry, when you are overseeing multiple environments and multiple departments of of human relationships, like from children to adults to students and everyone, it's been heartbreaking to see so much change happening. So I wanted to share this data. Number one is to like communicate to leaders, especially children's pastors and ministers, like you're not alone. Mm. Like our God is so big. Our God is incredible. And from this sharing, I want them to genuinely feel in their hearts, this like that you're not alone, like God is with you. These incredible leaders like Matt and Melanie are with you that are fighting for you. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to share that this fall. It's amazing. Well said, Catherine. I am smart enough to know when we've hit the end of an episode. Um, <laughs> so I want to just say thank you to all of you for your time, because I think I am so encouraged to not only be around people who are doing the thing, but being around people who are doing the thing and wanting to make sure that a community of folks feel equipped and cared for in order to keep uh, living out discipleship in their community. Catherine, I have one more question for you. It's just something that we are asking a lot of people. Um, so this will actually just be a sort of a bonus question. One of the most common questions we get asked at Awana is just simply, how do I share the gospel with kids? Um, it comes from this place of 
being overwhelmed or not feeling just equipped to handle his core um, things. So I'll ask a very specific version of that question, which okay. is what do you think leaders need to keep in mind while sharing the gospel with kids? The biggest thing is kids are so brilliant at seeing truth. Like they know, like, I don't know, with adults, we have layers and layers of avenues of things we've created in our own life to like prevent people to see the heart of the matter with kids. They're so brilliant at seeing your heart. And so if you share your heart, your genuine relationship with Jesus and what Jesus has done in your life, they will catch that. They will see that they will feel it. So I would say that would be like my number one thing is I just share kind of what he did for me. Um, and yeah, that's the gospel. That's the testimony. Boom. Well done. <laughs> the Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient child disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith. Young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from the conversation as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. The podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by me, Marlon Washington, and hosted by Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from the album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.